Welcome to episode 32 of the Permaculture Pimpcast, the only Pimpcast out there where we discuss permaculture, preparedness, and practical living. How you doing, son? Good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. A little wore out, but um, yeah. it's always glad to... I mean, I really, really enjoy being behind the microphone doing this, so it's a real joy. So everybody out there, leave a... Uh, what do you call that? A, a critique? Yeah. A review on or, the on your whatever podcast listening platform you're using. Yeah, and tell people about it, okay? Yeah. Yeah, so you can also temp a pimp at the fountain app. Well, actually, so this is the only way the podcast is actually going to grow is if people um, promote it, if they tell their friends about them, uh, about the podcast, or if they share it on social media or something like that. I was actually thinking about doing a knife giveaway for, uh, like, I was trying to figure out how how to promote the uh, podcast. I was thinking about doing like a knife giveaway. All right. Well, we'll try to find some way of doing that. Hopefully, I'm. I know that there's. I know that there is nothing like it out there. So I'm kind of hoping organically that, you know, a lot of people find out about it because I think we're doing really cool stuff and it's very different. There's definitely no podcast like this in the farming yeah. realm. Ain't no doubt about that. So this episode brought to you by Hickory Ridge Soap. You can get some at twooldcrows.com. Turn that sexy, oh wait, no, turn that mangy man into a sexy beast. Son, you're slipping. Yeah, sorry. I've yeah. Been, well, we'll get into it. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it here in a minute. October 22nd, y'all. You want to be out there at the Tow River Campground, uh, Renewed Homestead. Our friends over there, Ben and Denise, are, they have a little soiree of sorts, and um, there's going to be a lot of homesteaders there, so feel free to RSVP at renewedhomestead at gmail.com. So we're going to be there. Justin's going to be there. Ben and Denise are going to be there. And a lot of y'all are going to be there. Hey, y'all, nobody special. Um, it's just going to be cool to hang out with everybody else. So I'm it's really just going to be a meetup, really. It's just going to be like a place where we can all go and hang out and talk about whatever. Yeah, yeah. So no rock stars in the crowd, nothing like that. I mean, it's just um, all of us uh, maybe hanging out maybe to a certain extent commiserating over some of the stuff going on in the world, but mostly it'll be a joyful occasion. I'm sure it right. will. I mean, there's never a time with Ben and Denise where it's not, you know, wonderful. So you're going to want to meet them and they're going to be, I'm telling you, they will not disappoint. They're just wonderful, sweet friends. And it's a, yeah, I miss them because it's been a while. Also October 29th, we have that, um, concealed carry class that we'll be doing with big Ivy guns in Burnsville. Actually, the same place where this meetup is going. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be out there, too. So if you want to get your concealed carry, it was also Ben and Denise that squared us away with them. And uh, no, we don't get it. We're, we're paying for the class just like everybody else. We're not. Yep. We don't get anything special out of this. So, uh, yeah, they kept asking me, the guys at Big Ivy and uh, Brittany at Big Ivy, they were like, what like what can we do? <laughs> like, what can we do to for you guys? Nah, man, just, just offer the class and maybe and we'll give a bunch. Yeah, just be just continue to be a great company. What I'm hoping to see in this class maybe is a, you know, as a bunch of people that ordinarily wouldn't even do it because they thought, okay, I don't want to go by myself. Well, right. you'll be there with friends, so we'll yeah. be there. So look forward to seeing you there for that. And then also at the end of the week, I guess 
Well, this will be new. William and I will both be interviewed on the uh, Kill the Mockingbirds podcast. So, uh, yeah, that ought to be wild because it's more like a paranormal type thing. I have yeah. no idea why they want to talk to us. Uh, we've had them on here at least. Um, yeah, we've had them both at one point in time. And um, I'm really looking forward to it, man, because these guys are wild. And we talked to Joel half of that. And Sean. Well, we talked to both of them, but I interviewed Joel yeah. um, just exclusively when he came out with that song for us, which we had still oh, have yet to What time is use. the interview Friday? Uh, I don't know, but we'll have to work it out. Okay. I want to say 7 o'clock Eastern. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, we'll be there. Um, well, I'm not sure. Since it is recorded, it's not like anybody can tune in and watch it. Or maybe right. they can. I don't know. All right, y'all. Tip of the day. Be a hand. All right, let me tell you what I mean by that. Look, if somebody's going to have, if you're out there helping a friend and you are, whether you're being paid or not, it doesn't matter. Go out there and work like you're being paid. Go out there and work like you're working for yourself. Go out there and work and perform. In, in fact, I honestly, I will, I will honestly admit that I've worked harder on free projects than I ever did on anything I was ever paid for. Um, it was always a thing in a trade. You know, I am a journeyman IBW electrician. There was this phenomenon where guys would work for friends of theirs and they would lay down on them. And it was, I, I never understood that. It was the most cold-blooded thing you could do to somebody, especially somebody supposed to be your friend. As if, like, oh, I'm working for my friend. I don't have to work as hard now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. all the more reason why you should make yourself a hand. So uh, we'll get more into that here in the farm news in a minute. But no matter what you're doing, y'all, if you're invited, for example, if you're invited to speak at a festival or something like that, or you're going to have a booth there, just do what's asked of you. Do what's required that's going to help out the people putting on the show to begin with. They've offered you a platform. The least you can do, the least you can do is be a hand. Don't be high maintenance. Be what they expect you to be. Be more than they expect. I mean, give them every reason to want to have you back. Well, I mean, also keep in mind like the the helping and this also ties into like let's say your friend is starting a business let's say they're starting like a like we'll use like soap for example let's say they're, they're starting a soap business and you're wanting to help them and support them but you're expecting a bunch of free soap out of the deal you're not really helping them if yeah. you actually want to help their business you should pay full price for the soap i'm totally down with that yeah. you know we don't people at festivals they get irritated with me that i want to pay for certain products I want to help, right? You know, support the businesses that are at that are showing up to these festivals. That are well, it's a lot of these communities, like in Muslim neighborhood. I, maybe it was Eric Sider that told me. I can't remember who exactly, but there was somebody that expressed to me that how many times that money changes hand in that community before it ever leaves. Yeah. So maybe we ought to be taking a bite out of that apple and getting a piece of our own too. There's absolutely no reason. In fact, there's every reason why, especially in these times that we ought to be doing business with one another. I'm looking to get discounts from Walmart, there not Shelly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I'm happy, to, honestly, I'm happy to pay a, a, a fair premium for what it is you're doing. All right, y'all, let's get into the farm news. Okay, so what did we do today? We stripped and cut and stacked sorghum. Sorghum cane with um with Justin. It was the, what what's the name of it? It's a sugar drip, sugar drip sorghum. Sugar drip. Man, yeah. that sounds like a rapper's that name. Is, well, that is the most delicious sounding name for a plant. 
Well, it is, <laughs> so and I'm telling you what, it trip. lives up to it because yeah, I was drinking that stuff right off the stalk. Yeah, so you guys were doing what I was doing when I found out there was sugar cane at Jeff Lawton's. Man, I'm telling you <laughs> what, that stuff, I'm telling you, we went out there and busted it. We got done the chores this morning. We've been at it all day, took off long enough to go eat something, and then we were out there past dark. So um, that's why this podcast is probably going to be coming out later. And, you know, also my voice is still a little shot from this weekend. That always happens when you're having a... You know, when you do a when you do a festival or anything, I got to speak up so everybody can hear me. And um, yeah, my voice is pretty much wrecked. But you well, know. you also taught two pig processing classes and a chicken tractor on steroids class. I well, mean, you taught three whole classes. Well, did a Q and A, which are very laborious. Well, did a Q and A also and with a uh, Joel Salatin, which I'll get to that in a minute. Um, man, I, I still can't believe. Uh, good night, y'all. I mean, first of all, just for the record. Anybody that was there, anybody that may hear about it, I, I just want to say it straight out that I I don't think Joel should have been on that stage with anybody other than Joel. I mean, he's that awesome at what he does. So I'll get to that in a minute when we get into the main part of the podcast. But yeah, sorghum harvest, y'all, no joke. So now it's out there stacked. We had to get it down before the freeze comes tonight. And we had to cover it up. Hopefully the ground temperatures, we got it basically laid up on the ground uh, we got some on a trailer. Justin's yep. going to take that part home. He said that trailer holds a run, which is a thousand linear feet, I think. I think that's what a run is. I'm not sure what it was exactly, but, you know, it, but this is something else. This is another task I didn't know how to do yeah. before yesterday. Uh-huh. Or at least, well, I started yesterday. And, and just to kind of tell you, folks, I came back from the festival and I am wore out doing two pig classes, like you said, doing a class and then doing a Q&A. And, um, you know, talking to all the folks out there. And, and then I always feel guilty because you, you only get a little bit of time sometimes to only talk to some folks. And there's people that want your attention and people that came a long way to say hi. And, folks, if you were there, I, I thank you. I'm sorry if I didn't get to you. That's one of the things that I don't know how to manage. I mean, certainly not as well as Joel, where, you know, I I, I don't know how to talk to the people to the extent that I would like to. And because honestly, I'm learning as much from you as you might be from me. And almost certainly I'm learning more from you. And I always feel guilty because I feel like I just never, I'm either on the run. I'm trying to get from one place to the other. And I would love, that's why I'm really looking forward to going to this one on yeah. Friday. Because Yeah, Saturday, this meetup is going to be cool because it gives us the opportunity to just talk to people. Like we have no other obligations um, I don't think we're having a booth, are we? I don't think so. I, yeah, think- I don't think there's any booths. I don't think there's any classes or anything like that. We can just go there and answer the questions that a lot of you guys have. Or just hang out. Yeah, I mean, just hang it's, out. I mean, honestly, I, I really enjoy learning about other people. And, um, you know, I'm nobody special. I'm, And neither is, you know, anybody here. We don't see ourselves as anything special. So it'll be cool to actually go to one of these things and... Um, and not be obligated because that's part of it. You know, I'm kind of there. I told him I'd do certain things and I'm running from one place to the next or prepping to do the next class or whatever the case may be. And I'm getting to talk to some people for like 15 seconds. Right. So it's it, it, that part of it is I, I, every single festival we've done as of late, it's always the same thing. And I got to find a better way of doing that. Also, I want to give a serious shout out. Uh, for that festival, I got to say this uh, farm where you live thing, uh-huh. man, you talk about rolling out the red carpet. Yeah. Man, the yeah. second we got there, man, we went to this restaurant. We actually met, we met the, um, 
we met um, the people running this thing along with Joel um, at this restaurant called Topsoil. Yeah. And folks, I am telling you, it was off the meat wagon, wasn't it, son? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, and they actually, so the owner of the restaurant ate dinner with us and was at the festival. They were also at the last festival, and they like loved it so much that they wanted to be a part of this next one. So for this one, they provided dinner, for, or what was it, uh, sides for the festival dinner and then they also hosted and and made us dinner for like the speakers at the event uh the night before and it was off the hook but they take all their food scraps all their kitchen scraps and bring it back to their own farm and feed it to their chickens man i'm telling you what you find yourself down in south carolina you want to go to you definitely want to go down to topsoil i mean if you're near spartanburg or greenville or anywhere near there you should go to topsoil. I mean, that chef there is the real deal. Yeah. And the owner, man, she is absolutely sweet as all get out. And, I mean, man, we're sitting in there. I mean, when we first walked in, it was one of those kind of places where you think you got to stick your pinky up. And then the owner, which I didn't know she was the owner at the time, she comes in and she says hi. She knew who we were. And um, it was a little bit awkward for a moment because I'm thinking, man, we are totally underdressed. Yeah. When you see the decor in this place, and she made it very clear. I mean, she made me very welcome right off the bat. She says, look, we have people coming here in shorts and flip-flops, man. The food's the food's on point. We ain't worried about how you're dressed. Yeah. So I was like, okay, cool, because we literally just got done moving pigs before we got on the road to go down there. <laughs> well, it was funny because we showed up, and uh, we had asked, like, the, the waitress or whoever was at the front, like, hey, um, we're here to meet. Like, we were the first ones there, and we were here to meet, like, uh, everybody, like, Joel Salatin, Pork Ryan, and Josh and Megan from uh, the Farm Where You Live Festival. And we asked if they were there already, and they said no. And I was, I made some reference to one of the books that they had up at the front shelves. I was like, well, he's going to be here, and it was Joel Salatin's book. And I can't remember which book it was, but the girl started losing it because she read all of his books in college, apparently. Yeah, and she was like, he's going to be here? Like eating here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She had no idea. So it was pretty cool, man. You go in there with a rock star. But the funniest yeah. thing about that, I mean, I'm just going to tell this story real quick as we're leaving. I know you didn't tune into a podcast for this, but it was just hilarious on the way out. Here I am, you know, having dinner with one of my idols, uh, one of my mentors. And, uh, you know, just you just hear him talk and hear his stories. Yeah. You're just captivated. You just don't want to say a word. I, I, I'm just sitting here trying to take it all in. And they're practically, they're chucking us out of this place. And as we're leaving, there was a husband and a wife standing there. (laughs) And they come up to me. And um, it was kind of hilarious because here it is. Joel's over there. They're like, man, they come up and say, oh, we watch your podcast and your, um, your, your YouTube channel and stuff like that. Man, we wanted to say hi. I'm like, hey. How y'all doing? And then they look over. I was like, hey, there's Joel Salatin. And basically, never heard of him. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, it was just kind of hilarious in a a way. And Joel is so modest that, you know, he he gets the humor in all things, man. And and I'll get to that in a minute. But, um, yeah, that was definitely, definitely worth it. So, uh, Josh and Megan, the people that put it on, Megan, um, Good night, man. They they knocked it out of the park, man. And yeah. then the dinner on the yeah, last night, you weren't there for that, but I, I had the great fortune. That same um, chef at Topsoil, like you said, did all the sides and everything. And I'm telling you what, y'all, that was a 
Man, that was something else, man. He put mm. some, um, he, he did some like turnips or something and then put some uh, roasted, uh, I would have never thought of something like this, roasted figs in there. Huh. It was, I mean, it was fantastic. Sounds good. I mean, honestly, I've never been treated so awesome at a festival and frankly just didn't feel like I deserved any of it. But man, I, it, it was a real joy to be there. So um, hopefully we'll get to, uh, and, and sadly folks at this one, we didn't get any footage at all no no we didn't get a single bit of footage yeah we normally put out a video every other day but i was on my bicycle the whole time there was no time the first day butchered a hog and then second day did it again i want to give a shout out also to ben holler um and meg also because uh man i kind of roped him into it on that first day and i was like ben walks in there was a lull in what was going on and so i kind of dragged him over there and um I mean, you talk about a champ, man. He got over there and not only did it. Man, you talk about a quick study. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody l- learn the craft faster than him. And, you know, to the point where he's kind of doing his own. He gets to the same place, but he finds very cool, efficient ways to get himself there. Yeah. And it's pretty cool to watch him work and develop. And uh, we work well together because we've done it, you know, all the way. We've done it before, so here it is again. And so every time we do it, it's only going to get better and better and better, just like you and I do it. Yeah. So, um, man, and then he came back. And if you don't know, they, you can find them at Holler Homestead on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, I definitely got to give them a shout-out because he came back the next day when it was looking like I was going to have to do it all by myself. Yeah. And that would have been a long time because I had a class to do at noon. So that next day, it started at 8 in the morning. And, man, they were there, man. I, I can't thank Ben and Meg so much, man, because I know they had to get up uber early, do the yeah. chores, get in the, get the kids together, get in the first thing smoking to come all the way out there so they could help me out. And uh, the least I could do was buy them lunch, which seems like not even half enough. But, man, they, they were a real blessing. And everybody else was a blessing there, so that was really something. Um, all right, moving on to world news. I know we spent a lot of time on that because I don't intend to spend a lot of time on world news. Well, one of the big things going on right now is the Mississippi apparently is so doggone low that they are backing up. They can't even, I didn't know it, but apparently the Mississippi is the primary way in which to move grain up and down you know, oh, this country. Wow. And what I didn't realize, it, the efficiency of moving on a river is astonishing. Yeah. I had no idea. I had, okay, you take a train. And it has all this grain on it. And when I was doing work as an electrician at General Mills, y'all, you want to see one of the most disgusting spectacles you'll ever see is one of those train cars pull in with all that grain on it. And you're getting out there, oh, dark 30 to go do work. And you're seeing rats the size of cats rolling up and down there because all that spilled grain. That's why you need to go to Metcalf Mills and get your grain. That's right. He was That's... actually selling it at this last festival. Oh, I'm sure he yeah. was. Yeah, he was blowing it up out there. But, you know, the thing that, the thing that floors me is that all this grain is basically bottlenecked right there on the river. Apparently these boats, these barges, I had no idea how much stuff they carry. Now, when I did the world's longest nonstop river race, uh, the MR340, um, basically from Kansas City to to uh, St. Louis, um, man, those barges would go up and down there and they would practically capsize you because you were, we were in a canoe. And... I had no idea how much of that stuff moved up and down there, but check it out. This stuff is basically bottlenecked there, and it's not moving. So I'm saying this. Look, y'all, this is legit farm news. So add this to all of the other nonsense that's going out there, 
And so if you're wondering, gee, do I need to put back food? Yes, you do. You do. Because, I mean, eat, you, you're probably not growing all of your food. Unless you're Danny and Wanda down in Deep South, you're probably not growing all of your food. So you're probably, to some extent or another, getting it from somewhere. You almost certainly are. So if these things are bottlenecked and things aren't moving, I mean, can you add another tragedy to our food supply? And the, the growing your own food statement isn't to say like, oh, you need to be growing every single bit of like all of your food. That's not, that's not what that's saying. It's the point of saying it is to get like, get, give you a sense of urgency to get some food put back or start growing some of your food, at least like a small part of it. Well, at least some of it, yeah. anything you can. I mean, Eric Sider, we had him on before. I mean, he was knocking it out in a in an apartment at one yeah. particular time. Yeah, he had food growing. He had protein growing in an apartment. Yeah, he had I mean, fish. Yes, yes, in a little pool. I mean, yeah. he had it going in his little uh, porch pond. Yeah, I mean, extraordinary guy to begin with. Good friend, and um, so there are people out there doing that. So even if you have to buy, look, gorilla gardening. I don't care. I mean. Look, they're not using this land for anything else. Look, if I'm sitting here doing videos on YouTube about all these flowers they're growing, and there's nothing wrong with flowers, but they're taking all this land, acres and acres and acres of it, alongside of an interstate and not doing anything with it except growing flowers out there, then why can't you grow food? They're calling you a colonizer. Go conquer something anyway. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Go out there and get go it done. Go conquer some public land. There you go. Get some public land. Like Joel said years ago, you know, they're growing weed out there. Nobody ever thought about growing tomatoes. I mean, look, I'm not asking permission anymore, and I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, if you're in one of those places where you have limited land, maybe go find some public land or do what I did way back in Texas where, you know, there I had, look, I was working a full-time job at the time. I was farming at work. I even had chickens. I had a food forest going. I had swales going on a construction site. So you can't tell me this can't be done. I yeah, was, and if your boss is saying that, oh, it's not going to look good or anything like that, or they don't want that type of stuff seen around their business, just bring up the fact that it's going to bring in a ton of business. If people see, like, let's say there's a, like you work at a gym or something, and the gym has like an eighth of an acre of just grass. And you turn that into a garden. People are going to start going to that gym more just to see, just so they can say they go to the gym with the garden. In many cases, you receive not because you ask not. So when you have, you know, another crisis kickoff like the one there I'm telling you about, and then all the other ones that are completely manufactured in my view, then you better be thinking about plan B. And that's part of why we're going to do another bucket video uh, probably oh, this yeah. week, probably the preparedness bucket. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably this week to show you just how simple I know this is coming out Tuesday night, but stay tuned this week because like I said before, we're going to be covering, especially as it gets colder and colder. Yeah. We're bringing in the harvest right now. We're doing a lot of different things, but we're going to be kicking more and more because I feel a certain unction in my body to get out this information that we've long known that maybe a lot of you don't know. Where if you're not, or let's just say, hey, I woke up, I see this thing for what it is, I know they're all corrupt criminal politicians, I hate all of it, and you just woke up to it, well, the first thing you need to do is what, son? Get your food squared away. And how At does that look? At least six months for each individual in your house. 
that's what that's a good starting point. By no means are you 100% squared away at six months. But it's a really good place to start. Right. So I'm not saying these, I'm not giving you these stories to freak you out. That is not the intent. The intent is no matter where you are in the preparedness continuum, you can go a long way with a hundred bucks. And I'm going to show you just how far you can go with this. So folks, at, when you get down to brass tacks, there's dreadful news everywhere you turn around. Is it contrived? Is it controlled? Without a doubt, in my view. But on the same token, you do have solutions and you don't wait until the crisis is upon you before you decide to do these things. I mean, you could take rice, beans, fat, all of it, and you could source a lot of protein, maybe put back some vitamins. I mean, things that you yeah. can get if you're thinking, oh, my goodness, I can't. And don't fall for these stupid survival seed things, man. Yeah, guys, don't send us emails asking us to advertise them either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just had that. That's that not just proves happen. you haven't watched the channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're definitely not going to be talking about anybody's survival seeds. Yeah. So, hey, when we come back, we're going to get right into it, y'all. Man, it seems almost a crime to talk over a Joe Joe Bonamassa solo. Um, yeah, music was so good last week, I insisted that we use it again. How you like me now? All right, y'all. Into the main topic. Seek mentors. Now, like every other podcast, to a certain extent, we're weaving something of a tapestry. Um, like I said in the beginning, be a hand. Paid or not, be that hand. But also, if you want to, if you want to add a combat multiplier to your skills, you would be well served to find a mentor. And the reason I'm talking about it is that I had the great fortune this weekend of spending a fair amount of time with one of mine, um, Joel Salatin. I mean, if it weren't for him, I doubt I'd be behind this microphone right now. I might be doing another podcast. Who knows? I might even be in the radio still. Um, he gave me, and I, and I talked about it before, and I'm not going to mince words about it. You know, he gave me the best advice I'd probably ever gotten in my life. And I've told him twice on two different occasions where he said, if it's worth doing, then it's worth doing poorly at first. When I first heard him say that, that was paradigm changing for me. It really was. And so it made me want to examine every, everything else that he had done. And I'm glad I did. Because right now, because of his tutelage, because of his guidance, because of the things he's written, but the, the things he's said, the interviews he's done, he inspired in me a person that honestly might not be here without the benefit of having had him in my life, at least as a mentor. Now, mentors could take all kinds of different, you know, shapes and forms. They don't even have to be alive for that matter. I mean, I got mentors that are long dead, but I... I, I they're mentoring me through their written works. Maybe some of their videos. Uh, people like the late, great Anthony Sutton. You know, the work he did. You've heard me re refer to it before regarding history. And the occulted history, meaning hidden, of course, 
Um, these are people that have been extraordinary and continue to be extraordinary mentors to me. In fact, this weekend I went up to Joel and, um, he sat through, it was really astonishing to see him sitting through one of my classes of all things. I'm like, this is Joel Salatin for crying out loud. The man, I mean, and I'm like, he is in my class. And so I was taken aback for a moment, even got a slight moment of a little bit of nervousness. And then it just went away that quick because you know what? I know what I'm doing, but I know, I know exactly what to do when I'm taking apart a pig and I'm showing people how to do it. So I just went to my thing and I also tried to give him a shout out in there because honestly, that's another thing that he, to a certain extent, mentored me on. And that was finding mentors in the butcher space, in the butchery space to get the knowledge that I desired. You know, I got other mentors out there, um, even in the electrical trade right off. I don't often talk about it, but I probably ought to. I remember getting out of the army at the time and I kind of had a chip on my shoulder. In fact, I was so irritated with some of the leadership, even back then in the military that I was like, look, anybody ever talks to me in some kind of way or behaves this way, man, I'm going to sock them right in the eye. I really thought that that was really, really something that I had every intention of doing. I was a very different person then y'all. And I remember getting on this job and I was back in Oklahoma from, I was, my last duty station was in Colorado Springs. So I wound up in Oklahoma and I guess you could say I had something of a chip on my shoulder and it certainly didn't help. Oklahoma at that time was still, well, I'll say it this way. It was a very difficult place for, for a person of color to live, especially if you were marginally intelligent. And that's a story probably for another day, but um, especially that part of Oklahoma, not any place I should have ever ended up. So anyway, find myself on this job. And the first day on the job, there was some, I mean, I'm not the person to go out there and cry racism or anything like that, but man, first day on the job, I'm hearing stuff that just absolutely floored me in a military environment. Things like that would never, ever have flown. In fact, back in those days, the fastest way to get yourself thrown out was to, um, you know, to be a, a dyed in the wool racist. But here I was back in Oklahoma where I grew up and then I'm hearing this nonsense all over again. And it's like the straight up N word all over the place. And they didn't even, they would say it in front of you and then say, Oh, no offense. So I was already aggravated from my first day on the job. And I'm thinking, okay, I got a wife and a baby at the time. William was a baby at the time. And I'm thinking, man, how am I ever going to do this? I just sat here and said, man, I, I was just aching to sock somebody the next time they said something I didn't like. And then here I was. And then lo and behold, one of the same guys that I didn't like at first ended up becoming my journeyman. Here I am getting out of the army, muscled up, got a chip on my shoulder, and here I am working for this guy that I didn't like at first. But in time, I realized, and it wasn't as if, you know, I'm some snowflake and somebody said something to me I didn't like. It wasn't that at all. It was, um, I learned under him that you're going to have to deal with a certain amount of nonsense when you're first getting into a trade or anything else, any vocation you decide to get into. If nothing else, you're going to learn what not to do around certain people. But I was blessed, once again, by being put with a journeyman who had been in this trade and was nearing retirement. 
So I've been so blessed in so many parts of my life where I've had great mentors. And here it was. He showed me how to bend conduit. I was his apprentice. He didn't like me at first and I didn't like him. Next thing you know, I'm going to meetings with him. And check this out. I'm going to Sons of Confederate Veterans meetings for crying out loud. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, well, I had been brainwashed. This is how it always was. And I had no idea that there was another side of the story. Just like he'd never met anybody like me. I'd never met anybody like him. But he was a mentor. And to this day, he still is. The lessons he taught me then. And then his buddy, Larry, his name was Newt. And then later on, his buddy, Larry, um, ended up working with him and didn't like him at first. Two old guys. And I remember Larry one day, he he was full of all kinds of wonderful wisdom. I remember him saying, look, son, he knew I was aggravated about some way or something. I, I don't even recall what it was. And he said, look, man, I am trying to make you an awesome mechanic. And at that time, you know, mechanic meant a guy who could do um, the mechanical aspects of electrical work. And I'll tell you what, y'all, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Working with mentors that see all your flaws, that straighten you out, that maybe at first or at times you can't stand, but they point you in the right direction. And then I've also had the bad experience of being around other people as an apprentice because it is a five-year apprenticeship in the IBEW. So there were times where I'm working with people that were honestly nincompoops. And then I was aggravated of dealing with them when I'm working where I'm, I I remember I had to go to the apprenticeship committee for something or another. I got in some kind of trouble. I don't recall what, and I remember standing in there and there was Ron Evans. He owns all-star electric. It may still be around in Oklahoma city. I'm not sure, but I remember him saying to me, um, I remember I had to give some reason for why I did or didn't do what I was supposed to. And his response to me was, well, Yeah, so-and-so, and and I remember the guy's name. He says, so-and-so is a complete blankety-blank. I know that. But if nothing else, you ought to be taking away from him what you ought not to do. And that was paradigm-changing for me. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well, is like having a bad mentor can be almost just as beneficial as having a good mentor. And you may not appreciate the fact that you had a good mentor until you have a bad mentor. That's like, true. like if your mentor is scolding you, like let's say you're you're being scolded in private and you're like pissed off that you're being scolded anyway. And then you have another mentor or a boss or something like that later on down the road that scolds you publicly. And now you appreciate that mentor previously that scolded you privately because now this one's doing doing it publicly. He's not a good mentor because he's doing it publicly. But that's an example of I mean you wouldn't have appreciated that first good mentor had you not had the bad one. Praise in public, scold in private. I mean, it was one of those things in the military. Not everybody always did that, but it was really, um, I remember when I became NCO in the army and I had always said, I'll never forget what it was like to be a, you know, to be somebody who wasn't. And I, and I know that I didn't anybody that served with me knows that that was never the case. But, um, I tried to be to a certain extent and what I'm sure I wasn't always successful. In fact, I'm sure a fair number of times I, I wasn't a good example, but by and large, it's, it's a poor pupil that doesn't surpass his mastery. Okay. I mean, Leonardo da Vinci wrote that, I think in one of his notebooks that was discovered later, but I thought I always remember that it's a poor pupil that does not surpass his master. So, so, so to a certain extent, 
I'm your mentor. Right. And there are some ways, many ways in which you've surpassed me. And instead of begrudging the fact, I'm thankful to the Lord that he's given me a son that is that can take something and find himself at a certain place and move it past where you found it. And in so many different ways that's happened. But but you also keep so keeping that in mind, so dad is my mentor. Look at how many mentors he has. I'm getting the complete download from everything he's learned from those mentors and just one mentor. And then look at the amount of mentors that I can accumulate and then pass down to my kids. So they should definitely be surpassing. The pupil should definitely be surpassing the mentor. Every single time. Every time. Every single time. That pupil should surpass the master. And you should be encouraging that. I mean, there are examples, even in my own family, where there's somebody that's outperforming, let's say, his dad. Yep. And then the dad is honestly jealous of the son. Folks, if you're one of those parents, you need to seek the help from the Lord. I mean, seriously. Because that's exactly what you should hope for. In so many different, in every way imaginable, you should hope that that kid should take the ball and take it past where they found it. So that's the beauty of mentorship. But I'll tell you what, there's a double-edged sword to that when you are a mentor, which um, I'll be honest with you. I, I've not really been comfortable with having that role outside of my son. Yeah, I was about to say that <laughs> that was 100% y'all's choice. <laughs> no, I mean, I know you didn't have a say on that matter, but yeah. I mean, but honestly, I and it's embarrassing. I don't know how to say this without sounding smug, but, you know, there was a incident, not an incident. It was a extraordinary thing that happened. There's a lot of people coming up to me and they're they're telling me that they're thankful for what they got. Well, to a certain extent, I'm a mentor to them, and I, I hate even saying it because I don't think that much of myself. I really don't. I know that I'm flawed, and a lot of you people that think I'm something special, you do not know the full extent of my ignorance then because maybe I'm okay at some things. Maybe I'm an expert at a, maybe a thing or two, but honestly, I'm trying to figure it out along the way. So when somebody tells me that I was their mentor, it gives me a higher degree of responsibility. I know that I have got to be very, very cautious about what comes out of my mouth, especially in terms of instruction, especially in, in so many different ways, son. I really yeah. have got to be careful. It's one thing if you're like anybody and if you're just screwing yourself up. It's another thing if you're screwing yourself up and bringing other people along with you. We've seen a lot of that. Yeah. And we see yeah, a lot of that, especially. And we've, we've been critical about it in the YouTube space uh, concerning some of these other youtubers that were homesteaders and now all of a sudden guess what they became preppers yeah and they think that these people just because they're on youtube that they they somehow have some sort of authority like there's no vetting process to be on youtube guys anybody can be on YouTube. right you can be a total nincompoop <laughs> yeah. so some when you see them on youtube and you just assume they know what they're talking about what is that what do you mean? What, are what you logical about? fallacy would that be? What, what oh, an appeal to authority. Okay, now, where did you learn that? From me. From, yeah. Your mentor, right? Yeah. So, exactly. So, I taught my son that just because you see a guy in a doctor's jacket on a, on a, uh, on a billboard. Or that a commercial is, or something. Right, or a commercial. Or a political ad. Exactly. There you go. You're thinking that just because that person has a suit and tie or because they have a stethoscope 
or just because that person has MD behind their name or PhD or whatever the case may be, that they have a greater share of common sense than you do. That's not always the case. But the point being, and I'm trying not to go too far afield here, the point being is that you learned that because I taught you. Yeah. And I taught you what those are. I taught you what these fallacious arguments are. And so as a mentor to you, um, I, I, there are places I'm, I know that I've dropped the ball on, but you've picked it up and the Lord is merciful because you haven't had to make some of the colossal mistakes that I've made. You're going to make some of your own, by the way, son, you will. And I have. Yeah. And you'll continue to. So, you know, you just fail while daring greatly. But one of the things that happened at this festival was, uh, Farah from, uh, wrangling Rutherford's came up to us. Now what, here's what I didn't know. That's her YouTube channel, by the way. Right. That's a YouTube channel. And, um, she was as sweet as can be. And here's what I didn't realize is that I was doing a class and I was trying to pull it all together because I was on it. I had been butchering a pig all day and didn't get a lot of sleep the night before. And I was tuckered out. And, um, I got through that class. What I didn't know is that there was an 18 day compost class. Now the class I was doing was the uh, chicken tractor on steroids. Now there is no way in a one hour class that I'm going to be able to go into the full extent of what that is. The idea is to get everybody's beak wet, to know that this, these methods are possible, that you can do this. And what I didn't know is that she was teaching an 18 day compost class immediately afterwards. I had no idea. She came and told me about it. Well, she told me yeah. about it. And here's the mentor thing that I didn't know about is, well, why don't you tell them exactly how well, that went with you? And maybe I'll overlay she, mine. She came up to me and she seemed almost like apologetic. Like, hey, I'm teaching the 18 day compost class. And as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Um, like I was I was excited that there was a, I didn't see the agenda or anything. I didn't know there was an 18 day compost class being taught. Uh, but she was saying it almost apologetic. And then she continued to say that she had learned how to make one from our 18 day compost, uh, was it playlist? Yeah. Our playlist. And, uh, she wouldn't like, that's how she learned how to do 18 day compost. And now she's teaching. We taught a teacher. We taught a freaking teacher. Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) Which is a goal that you should, if you're like teaching anything, to have taught your first teacher is like a milestone. Um, I'll tell you what, man. I was just, was... I was just super excited, and there was absolutely no reason for her to be apologetic. I am so glad that there's somebody else out there, not saying that there aren't other people, but somebody else like in this region that is teaching an 18-day compost class that's doing it correctly. The other mentorship and the thing I can't get over I'll, I'll come back to Farah in a moment, but uh, there was the other thing where I did a pig butchery class and I was seriously thinking about dropping this whole YouTube thing because I didn't, I didn't see the return. I mean, trust me, folks, I don't know what other people get paid on YouTube, but it ain't that much, especially when they decide to suppress you, not, not just us, but others like us. Um, they really don't pay much, and that was really never the impetus. It was really a means to evangelize a lot of what we do. And I wasn't seeing any return. I didn't see anybody doing it. And then right at the point where I was thinking, you know what? We'll just go another direction. I don't have to do this. So it was, I couldn't believe it. I was going into Ingalls grocery store and I get a text from one of the people that had done my pig butchery processing class. And you just had him in a video not long ago. Um, she sends me a video of her husband teaching his own class of, pig butchery 
Yeah, that was Honeysuckle Homestead TN. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how cool is that? So going back to Farah, well, I, let me back back up just a moment. I mean, the level of, oh my goodness, y'all. I, I don't even know how to describe how humble I felt like, you big dummy. Okay, it was just like back in the day when I was working with my tools, I would talk to anybody. Any of my tool buddies, believe me, it didn't take me long before they knew what I was all about, and that was permaculture. Believe me, they knew. They knew that that was my passion. I didn't care who I was working about, working around. I didn't care how big the audience. Just as long as I was able to evangelize one person, and I was doing it because it was my passion. And then here it is. We take it over to YouTube, and now all of a sudden, um, good night. You got people like Farah that are out there, you could not give me a better compliment. And I mean this to everybody out there. There is no greater compliment that you could offer to me than saying, hey, I took your class or I did whatever, I I did your method and I improved it and I made it better. You're never going to hear an admonishment from me. You're always, without a doubt, you will always hear, well done. I almost I I nearly got choked up when Farrah was telling me about this and I didn't see it coming. And I was like, "Wow, you got all that from us?" I mean, yeah. Well, good night, man. It, uh, think about the think about the implications. If Honeysuckle Farm teaches their own class and it might have been bigger than the class I taught. Yeah. And let's say just one person out of there becomes a butcher and they keep on doing these classes. They're only going to get better at them. Or Farah goes out there, does another 18-day class, and then expands on it. Maybe finds a, a thing here and there that makes it work even better, and she does it again and again. And, and how she many other teaches a teacher? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm going here. So we mentor one another, just like in within this space. Like, okay, for example, I'm showing Justin how to butcher a pig. Maybe this I'm, is something we should push more during the classes because i don't think we've i don't think think you're right yeah i don't think we've ever pushed that before it was like hey take this practice it and then teach i don't i don't know that you have to i mean honestly we do butchery we teach it in such a way that where it is paint by number that if you just follow the instructions it works no matter the animal and that's why i'm not going to teach any um, until, until we find another structure, I'm not going to teach anybody any highfalutin, how to make capicola, mortadella, all that. You're going to, for me, you are going to learn what you need. And that is homestead butchery. Get that down. And then you could talk about charcuterie and all the other highfalutin stuff. You don't need to know that, but point being, yeah, is how many times can we sit here and do a class and then teach another person. Then you teach another person. Then you supplant me. Thank you. That's exactly what I'm hoping for. That all these things that we talked about a moment ago where we got a bottleneck at the um, at the mouth of the Mississippi doesn't affect you. Kind of like what Joel was saying. We got all these different supply chain breakdowns that are destroying farmers from the ground up. But he's unaffected. Yep. So we take this mentorship, whether no matter where it comes from whether it's somebody like Joel Salatin. I've never had the blessing of meeting Jeff Lawton, but you spent a lot of time with him. Yeah. And you spent a lot of time with Joel this time. Exactly. Yeah. So we're all the better for it. I mean, there's a list of other people I can't wait to meet as well, but honestly, at the top of the list, 
I don't know that there's ever been a person maybe in history that has inspired more farmers than Joel Salatin and Jeff Lawton. And you met, you spent a lot of time with one. I spent a lot of time with the other and look forward to doing more of it. And as a result, I know that I'm the better for it. He's, they have been my mentors, whether in person or not, but folks, you can also find some mentors, whether in person or not, just be real cautious when it comes to YouTube because frankly, there are a number of imposters out there and some of them are pretty easy to look through, but there's another, there's a great many of them also that are a little more difficult to get to the, get down to brass tacks. Yeah. All right, son, anything you want to add on that? No, let's get in the Q and A. All right. Find you some mentors folks and be the mentor. Yeah, and that's why, that's exactly why that movie was re- repeated this week. Plus, we Song. were in a little bit of a rush, yeah. Song, yeah, you know we're tired, guys. All right, <laughs> Playing so, movies over here. Yeah. <laughs> I, said, I didn't say movies, I yes, said... you did. Dead. We haven't recorded. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. You want to go first? Um, I don't have any questions on the Fountain app, but I have a couple statements. You want to go with the go statements? Ahead. Okay. Um, this is from Song Dog Shooter. He said, I have a black locust bush that came back after the previous owner, father-in-law, cut the, cut the tree down. It keeps coming back and crawling across the lawn. I want to try and transplant some of these suckers into different places in my seven acres to help with the nitrogen. If I transplant, will they become trees or be shrubs? Thanks for all you do. I guess that is a question. Um, so if you transplant those... If you transplant them, they should become trees. I don't know why that is staying a bush. Yeah. Are you sure it's a black locust? Yeah, I was wondering that and same is thing. It, are, is it like growing off of a stump? Because um, if it's growing off a stump, then there's a bunch of those suckers like that are coming off. You could prune those and prune it into a tree. Um, and then the suckers that are going underneath, those are runners. Yeah, black locust oh, is a tree, those, not a shrub. Okay, I think I'm understanding what's going on. So he does, I think he does have a stump and all the suckers that are, all the new growth is right. growing up around it. Um, no, they will grow as trees and they won't be shrubs. Yeah, there's just, whenever you cut down a tree, wherever you cut a tree, like if you cut a branch or prune it or uh, cut it down, it's going to increase the like growth hormone in that area. So it's going to stimulate growth there. I've never had a black locust. Um, any success, well, maybe a couple that were successful when I found them growing out and about and I tried to transplant. I've never had any as robust as they are. I've never had a whole lot of success going that way. Also, we've never done it in the right season. Yeah. Well, it's never been in the fall. It's always been like spring through summer. Yeah. But as prolific as they are, man, I'm just shocked that they never worked out. All right. We got uh, one from Betty here. Hello y'all. Recently bought three IBC containers for water storage and needed need advice on how to connect them. You have a large eight, uh, eight to twelve inch opening with a stopper on top and front. Yeah. So anyway, there, she's wondering how to connect them in a nutshell. Um, oh, okay. Thought I saw somewhere to have one higher and one lower container. Um, 
No, one of the best ways to go about doing that, we were, there was a place in Kansas where we did that very thing. And you can have them all at the same ground level, but you just put a pipe between them, probably find a number of good examples on YouTube as far as that's concerned. And um, basically when one fills up, you know, it'll equalize with the other. So well, there's that ar- depends on your placement of the pipe too. So if you have your pipe placed down low, exactly like four inches above off of the uh, bottom, because if you place it directly on the bottom, then it's going to sediment is going to go back and forth as well. But you can create like a sediment trap there. So if you place like a pipe four inches from the bottom up, then they both tanks fill up equally or however many tanks you have fill up equally. If you place one up high, like a pipe, the pipe connections up high on the tanks, then the first one is going to fill up to that pipe and then start filling the next one. With that, you want to make sure that, I mean, the pipe that's the connection pipe is big enough to withstand your uh, heaviest rain event. Um, So keep that in mind because then it's just going to start going out your overflow instead of filling up tanks. That's why I favor putting it near the bottom. Yeah. I mean, not at the bottom where you're going to get in the sediment, but that's why I favor it because then it could equalize all three at the same time. Right. And then as it empties, it's going to take all three at the same time. Yeah. Otherwise, if you have it up high, then you're going to have to go, you have to move your hose from one to the next. Yeah. So um, check this out. Um, got another one from candy here. I have yet, I saw the TikTok video and I want to look into it in greater detail. She sent me this TikTok video, and I know that I can't show you here in a podcast clearly, but there's basically, I'm going to try and see if I can't put it on freesetting.com. Um, I'm going to try to get caught up over there. I think you should be able to at least share the link. I think, you know, I'm pretty sure yeah. I can. It's a TikTok video, and this guy basically is blowing the whistle on all this plastic and the things that they can legally put into pig food. Folks, it will floor you. So hopefully I have the well. Hopefully I will remember. I'll keep that start here. Well, apparently like microplastics and stuff. No, I mean like straight up plastic, like oh. plastic bottles and everything else, man. Man, I remember there was this one farm um, in Kansas. I think we no no no. It was in Texas when we picked up those two goats. That guy had a pig section over there that he was feeding bread. He was literally just throwing the whole dog on bag to the pigs like wasn't even taking the bread out of the bag just throwing the whole doggone bag wow yeah i'm not i'm not one bit shocked i mean man there are some trifling farmers out there yeah well these people are selling it to farmers and the farmers are ignorant about what's happening i'll have to make sure i get that on freestanding.com okay we got uh roger here he's saying hello billy thank you for all you do especially for your videos i'm a 64 okay 64 64 year old guy he's up in nova scotia uh, it says, can't wait to try the chicken tractor on steroids and making compost. That's awesome. I was wondering if you watched Curtis Stone's video of the five myths of permaculture and Richard Perkins' response. Um, there's a third video where they sit down at Richard's farm in Sweden. Um, anyway, um, there's a Canadian vlog, permaculture legacies, a little dry. Anyway, keep up the good work. Okay, I'm aware of those things. Um, I've been meaning to check that out. I did see Curtis Stone's video, but I didn't see Richard Perkins' uh response to it and i gotta be honest with you curtis is a sharp guy and i can't i don't have a problem with a lot of what he said in that video i don't i don't have it in front of me right now but i don't have a problem generally i think the only thing that i maybe slightly disagreed with in that video was i don't think he has a full understanding at that time when he made that first video i don't think he had a full understanding 
of the potential of uh, agroforestry, silvopasture. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Now, if you're going, if you're talking about straight up food forest, I agree with you. If um, you're talking about silvopasture and stuff like that, then that's uh, depending on where he, you know, falls on that topic depends on whether or not I agree with them. Okay. We got one from Shelly. Um, and I know we've covered this one a lot, so we're going to hit it again. It's, and it's about comfort. She says, is it hard to grow? I was also reading that it's toxic to humans and animals. What do you got to say about that, son? There has never been a case ever where somebody or an animal has been uh, intoxicated by comfrey. Um, there's never been a documented case of liver toxicity, uh, due to comfrey or that alkaloid. The alkaloid is very easily digestible or digested by a uh, you know your digestive system, uh, and it's not just in comfrey; it's in a lot of different plants uh, that that are sold at the supermarket, like broccoli and celery and carrots. You might look <laughs> at the sources on where yeah. some of these so-called and I put this in quotes studies are done because a lot it's of these study. people. It was a single study that everybody uh, misinterprets for their uh, articles that they put online. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I know that we, we feed this stuff by the ton practically to every animal on this farm and they eat it. Yep. And when they have choice, I've, I have yet to see an animal kill itself eating anything when they have free choice of things they could eat. Yep. So, yeah, if you gave them all comfort, yeah, it might take them out, but we've not seen any problems. There are varieties that are more bitter than uh, the variety we sell. Um, like, there are varieties that cows and horses don't really care for, unless they're really, really needing minerals. Uh, like the common comfrey that grows around the United States, uh, they don't really like that one as much. They love Russian Bocking Number no. Four. It's not. It's not very bitter at all. Uh, actually, it's not bitter at all. It tastes like spinach. Yeah, I didn't um, think it was bad at all. Yeah, it's not bitter at all. All right, got another one from Balake or Blake, as you may know <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Balake, I mean Blake. Uh, hey, Billy, I was wondering how you put bone sauce to blueberry bushes that already have berries forming on them. Um. Good night. Well, if you could well, hang like on. reach down and get at that base of that blueberry, maybe, um, or maybe paint some wooden stakes and put the stakes really close to those blueberry bushes. Um, that might well, make the best sense right now until it goes dormant. Well, when it is dormant, actually, you know what? I kind of messed up here because Balake uh, sent that actually on May 1st. And uh, Bang, we're then. just now getting around to it. So, hey, man, my bad. Anyway, Balake. <laughs> anyway, Balake, uh, hey, we'll make it up to you because you got another question here and I didn't know about it. He says, um, anyway, as far as your blueberry bushes, yeah, now that everything's kind of dormant, uh, you can put it all over everything, bro. So, uh, sorry, I'm a couple of months too late on that. So, uh, he's also asking, greetings again, brother. I, I've been watching your uh, video on the chicken tractor of st- steroids. Basically, um, he's wondering how big the fence needs to be. Well, the one we use, and we get this a lot, so I'm going to cover it. It's um, 164 feet premier one, and it's the perfect size. Which is two sides are three posts wide, two sides are seven posts wide. And if you have one of those fences, uh, that statement makes sense. All right, so you got another one from uh, Fountain? I've got a comment from Eric. He was talking about the... uh, was it episode 31 heating your homestead um talking about heating your high tunnel in uh in particular he said there's also the classic chicken heated greenhouse with one chicken thermostat 
If it gets too hot, the chickens go outside. If it gets too cold, the chickens come back in. So basically, the chickens are heating the greenhouse, the high tunnel. I like the way that sounds. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, so we got one from uh, Jerry here. Um. I think it's Jerry. Yeah. Yeah, it is Jerry. Um, anyway, I've uh, been having a heck of a time trying to contact y'all by email. For some reason, y'all, that's been happening quite a bit. Don't know why. I know a lot of um, um, liberty-minded YouTube channels have been definitely messed with as of late. We should probably change from Gmail, though. Yeah, no, that's something we should have done a long time ago. Yeah. A couple of questions here. What's the name of that PDC you mentioned in your last PimpCast? Something like 25 bucks a month. That was the one at School of Permaculture. Yep, from um, Nicholas Bertner. Yep, you can get that one for 25 bucks a month. And look, I know times are hard, y'all, and uh, money's hard to come by. You know, um, you're going to get the same instruction. You're just not going to get, for the 25 buck a month thing, you're not going to get the certificate, but you're going to get the knowledge, and that's really the most important part. Or you can pay 800 and get the certificate. All right, and he's also asking, what are your consulting rates? I'm not sure you want to cover that here, but yeah, that was his question. Okay. Um, anyway, another guy, uh, Brandon, he's, uh, hi, Billy. Here's an article about uh, free speech alternatives to PayPal. Now, I have yet to actually oh, look cool. into that. Okay, so that's good. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah, um, so. Yeah, that solves a bunch of issues. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> well, That we got... solves a bunch of issues that I frankly forgot about, so that's awesome. <laughs> well, which part? The solution to the PayPal, not using PayPal anymore. Yeah, so it's kind of a gradual thing, y'all. I didn't realize how tied at the hip we were. Yeah, I mean, PayPal kind of inf infiltrated its way into almost everything. Yeah, so yeah. it's like we're like getting out of it. We're getting off of it, and we're also trying to find ways in which to work. Because some of these companies, we're trying to find ways in which yeah. we can work with them and still do business with them. And not use that because, I mean, frankly, PayPal is kind of, you know, it's so ubiquitous. I mean, good night, yeah. man. It's everywhere. Yeah, it really is everywhere. And I didn't realize that until we got rid of it. Yeah, well, we're going to constantly look. I mean, surely somebody in the market has definitely got to be filling that gap. Um, I know Dan Bongino talked about it a while ago, and I just frankly haven't had time to look into it. And I'm not sure he's made any advances on it. But that's really something we have got to get into, y'all. I mean, think about, we'll just kind of recap here. Look at this bottleneck that's happening in the Gulf. Look at the fertilizer shortage, which if you're listening to this podcast, you ought to be finding your way out of it. But look at the other things that are going on right now. There's no two ways about it, y'all. There are interests out there that don't want to see you prosper. In fact, I dare say many of these interests would prefer you dead. So don't die. In fact, stay alert, stay alive. We'll see y'all next time.